This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. This is where it all counts. This is why we're here. This is why each one of us are here. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to another edition of the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. I am Paul Pertichese. Night one of the NFL Draft is in the books. It was even more wild and crazy than we expected. I have Jeff Abercrombie across the way with me. Jeff, how are you doing tonight? There is so much to break down. Um, I'm shook. I guess that's a, <laughs> is that still a thing? Um, <laughs> I So like settling in, you know, the first hour kind of expected like i'm hitting my picks this is this is this is a normal draft i'm like i feel good about this and i sit down i put the baby down to bed i sit down to dinner and then just chaos my watch is buzzing like my phone's blowing up i'm trying to like i'm like all right i i gotta go (laughs) and um i mean let's get into it because there's a lot to talk about. <laughs> yeah, and I and I think we'll start with the two player trades because we knew there was a possibility tonight that there could be a major wide receiver moved. But we thought it was going to be from your hometown team, the San Francisco 49ers, or maybe going to deal Debo Samuel. I know there were whisperings that they weren't, but I was like, maybe they're just posturing, waiting for the right deal. There was rumors that maybe DK Metcalf would be available. And then instead of, no, it's not Debo tonight. It's not DK Metcalf. It's the Philadelphia Eagles stealing, and that is the appropriate word that should be used here, stealing A.J. Brown from the for the Tennessee Titans for their pick at 18 and then a third-round pick. That was the whole compensation. Major move by the Eagles to pair A.J. Brown now with Devonta Smith, giving Jalen Hurts all the weapons that he could possibly ask. They signed him to a mega, mega contract extension. And then right before that broke, Word came out that the Arizona Cardinals had traded for Marquise Hollywood Brown and the compensation going to Baltimore was a first round pick. And then they got back Marquise Brown and a third round pick went to Arizona. So I remember, you know, on an episode recently here talking to Sig Bloom about whether or not the Devontae Adams trade and the Tyree Kill trade was going to be a sign of a lot more teams trading wide receivers before the payday came. And it looks like that is becoming more of a trend. It's not going to be all time. We start Stefan Diggs, stay with, stay with, you know, um, you know, Buffalo, but Tennessee didn't want to, it seems like Tennessee didn't want to pay AJ Brown the money. They went for a cheaper alternative who we'll talk about. I compare to AJ Brown. And then it doesn't appear that Baltimore was thinking about, re-signing Marquise Brown for major money. Apparently he wanted to go play in Arizona, I think, you know, and, and team up with, with with Kyler Murray. But Jeff, quick thoughts on these wide receiver, these blockbuster moves before we get into breaking down the picks for round one tonight. I mean, it's all about the money, right? Like you don't trade AJ Brown, you know, if if it wasn't about not paying him. I I mean, I understand not wanting to overinvest in Hollywood. Not you have Bateman. I think Bateman's a great player, and you know, with him and Andrews, like you know, maybe you like what you see. They're going to be a great running team too. You you don't necessarily need to overinvest in that passing game. Like I, I kind of get it, but AJ Brown is like he's one of my like top three receivers. I, I mean, at least in this new wave of of players, like. I mean, I have him over Debo Samuel. I think I'd probably pay more for him than Tyree Kill or Devontae Adams. And stealing is an, an amazing – it is the right term for, for what Philadelphia did. And um, and then we see like, you know, okay, so like we just see Philadelphia do exactly what Miami did and they surround Tua with Waddle and Hill and then – now Philly does um they've got the Devonte Smith and AJ Brown which is like a really good pairing. I don't know if they this signifies a change in philosophy because they were such a low volume passing team to close the year but uh but but they're at least going to see if Jalen Hurts is the guy this year. Yeah, I mean, when it really comes down to it is they have now put all the pieces in play for 
Jalen Hurts to be successful at the next level. You know, Devonta Smith, now A.J. Brown. And, you know, I personally think A.J. Brown is, is one of the top five best receivers in, in the NFL. And I think this is a guy who, you know, and, and the beauty about A.J. Brown is I also think he's a player that ages somewhat gracefully because he's not built and predicated on just straight line vertical speed. His toughness, his physicality, I mean, he almost could age like a Larry Fitzgerald or a, uh, you know, or an Anquan Bolden if we take two guys from, you know, back in the day in the Cardinals. Like, I feel like A.J. Brown's trajectory has a lot of really great years left. And then even after that, could still have a bunch of very good years left. So I think it's a fantastic move. You know, for one second, if we talk fantasy, I think he does lose some value, though, right? I mean, the quarterback is a downgrade. The quarterback's going to run a lot more. Devonta Smith's there. He definitely takes a big step down, I think, in terms of fantasy value just from the the straight, you know, opportunity. Because whatever we think about Jalen Hurts, they're not going to start throwing the ball 50 times a game. That's not, yeah. that's not what Jalen Hurts is going to do. So I do think from the fantasy aspect of it, it is a little bit of a thing on A.J. Brown. I think it's a little bit of a thing on Devonta Smith. I haven't started thinking about where I put them yeah. in Dynasty, you know, overall rankings. <laughs> we'll, we'll cross that bridge in a week or so after we digest the NFL draft. But just natural, quick reaction on the fly, I think both their values are, are definitely impacted slightly negatively in that. I would say stock up for Jalen Hurts. That's a no-brainer. But, but are you thinking it differently, or is your initial reaction somewhat similar to mine that it has to be a little bit of a stock down for Smith and A.J.? stock up for Jalen Hurts yeah we'll we'll touch on that real quick I mean that was my initial reaction I just like I've got AJ Brown in 75 percent of my fantasy leagues like he is my favorite player and um and yeah just dejected was the very first and just disbelief was was my first emotions but you know when you start to look at this you know and actually start kind of putting some numbers down and really like mapping it out and and thinking about like what this is going to look like. Like Tennessee was not a high volume passing attack either. They didn't use AJ Brown as a high volume go to receiver. So even like moving over to like a Philly team that's going to pass the ball, you know, on the lower half end as well. We're not we're not actually downgrading AJ Brown. It's just not the upgrade you know, that we would have hoped for if he was leaving Tennessee. And so definitely a negative for Devonta Smith. I'd say probably a negative for Goddard a little bit too. I can't see them making this change and not asking Jalen Hurts to throw the ball a little bit more this year. And, and then see, like, can you add more to the passing game for us because that's exactly what he's going to have to do to commit to him long term, right? Like th- he's going to need to grow in that that facet of the game, and you can't just keep a, a simplistic offense um, and kind of shelter him over and over again. Um, you saw what happened to Lamar. Like you know, maybe it evolves in bite sized chunks. Lamar Lamar's passing game with the Ravens, you know, expanded last year. You know, especially once they got him more weapons. So I think. I think we could expect a little bit of growth there. Um, and if it's not, if it's not um, Jalen Hurts, if he doesn't make that growth, like we said, they've got the ammo to go up in a really good 2023 quarterback class. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to overreact because I don't think this situation is that different than Tennessee's. I, there's a little bit more company, but, and a little bit less quarterback, uh, you know, skill at the quarterback position, but it's not vastly different. You see the commitment there. And um, and in 2023, we could be talking about this as a better situation than being stuck in Tennessee for the long term. Yeah, I mean, listen, I think the Eagles are set up. The fact that if you would have told me that they still would have been able to keep all the picks, the rest of the picks they had this year besides one, one, and then a three. And then they still sit in with two ones next year. I mean, the job Howie Roseman has done, you know, and it all goes back to the, the great hall last year that they got for Carson Wentz. And then they've just played, you know, the trade game perfectly. They're sitting pretty now because now you have those two receivers, 
You have Dallas Goddard. Like, if Jalen Hurts isn't the answer, you could be super aggressive either in the draft next year or if another big-name veteran quarterback becomes available next year. So the Eagles really are set up now for the long haul on the offensive side. And I, I kind of agree with you. They're going to throw a little bit more. I think it only improves Jalen Hurts' stock. But like I've said, even this year, right, I'm not ready to buy all in because I don't think the Eagles are ready to buy all in. So, yes, I think this year he's going to be a fun quarterback to own in fantasy. But even if he's a fun quarterback to own in fantasy, again, it doesn't mean I think in dynasty you got to tread a little bit lighter than you will in redraft. I think redraft you could you could say he might be QB8 this year, QB9. Like it could be aggressive. But in Dynasty, I still think you got to tread a little bit lightly because there's no guarantee he's there as the guy more than one more year because if they don't think he could be the guy who could win from the pocket also and consistently win with his arm in addition to his legs, they'll move on next year, whether it's the draft or whether it's the veteran route, and they'll get somebody in there. If we flip this over to the other trade, you know, I love it from the Arizona perspective. I have no, I have no idea to make, how to make sense of it from the Baltimore perspective. They're now sitting there with a gaping hole at the wide receiver position. I know Bateman came on at the end of the year, but Bateman and Marquise Brown kind of complemented each other perfectly. You know, Bateman is that guy who could win at a lot of all over the field, but I thought he won most in the short to intermediate range. I thought that was where he was better. Marquise was the guy who took it over. You know, defenses, you know, took top off. He opened things up for the run game to get going. You know, Lamar had good chemistry. Marquise Brown, he had a breakout year this year. And now to ship him out, now that, you know, I'm sure they're going to attack the, the wide receiver market, you know, tomorrow. But even so, you know, it's now going to be like bringing in a new guy to try to get caught up to speed for a team that wants to win right now. So I think it hurts Lamar a little bit for sure. I think it obviously helps Rashad Bateman, who now stock could really potentially rise. But on the flip side, I think this is exactly what the Arizona offense needed. I think, you know, when they once upon a time drafted Andy Isabella to be that vertical speed guy, well, now they go out and get one of the best vertical speed guys in the entire NFL in Hollywood Brown. He wanted to play with, with Kyler Murray. They're together. I think stock up on Kyler Murray. He's a better receiver, I think, and more upside than Christian Kirk, who basically he's now replacing. So I think stock up on Kyler Murray. I think... Arizona throws the ball more than Baltimore does. And I know they have DeAndre Hopkins there, but I think when push comes to shove, we might see more consistency even out of Marquise Brown there. But I don't think it's a massive upgrade in terms of dynasty value. I think it's pretty close. It probably hurts DeAndre Hopkins a little bit because I think Marquise Brown will get more targets than Christian Kirk did. Uh, But more in the NFL world, I think it's a great trade for Arizona a little bit of a puzzling trade for Baltimore. Any any quick thoughts, Jeff, on that, whether from the team perspective or from the fantasy lens? Well, this broke like three minutes before A.J. Brown and just completely just one up. So <laughs> I don't know that we have given it as much a thought and attention. But, you know, this was interesting because it was a trade not when – uh, Baltimore was on the clock or Arizona was on the clock. This was one that, that happened kind of ahead of the time. And after we saw, you know, a slew of re- wide receivers go in, you know, a bunch of pit in a close bunch of picks together. And so maybe this was Arizona saying, okay, our guys are taken. Here's what we're going to do to address the position. I still think there are. I I mean I've I've never been um, a Marquise Brown is a transcendent talent. I think he's been a great complementary talent, and I think there are still players on the board available, um, and that would have been on the board available at twenty three that you could have gotten on the rookie contracts, and and so it's going to be interesting to see what Hollywood's uh, uh, payday looks like, right? I mean, we, we were talking about A.J. Brown's $100 million extension, same with Tyreek, same with Adams, what Debo's going to get. Like, So so they're definitely, they're, they're paying up the first and they're paying the bag. And, and so that's where it gets a little, for me, it, it, it's not as, as egregious. Um, I mean, when you, when you see what Baltimore did with the picks, I don't know. I mean, I, there's, there's a gaping hole there and it may be a rookie on day two. It may be a rookie on day two and 
uh, a guy like Will Fuller or Julio Jones, right? Like you could still bring a guy in. There, there's some good uh, free agent talent in there to bring into that room and kind of just round it out a little bit, especially when you still – like if you believe in Bateman and obviously have a focal point in Mark Andrews, I think that's going to be okay still. Yeah, and listen, that third that third helps a lot too, right? It was they got Marquise Brown and they got a third round pick. So like it's a, it's like almost like, you know, I don't want people to lose sight of the difference between the AJ Brown deal and the Marquise Brown deal. The the AJ Brown one, it was uh the Titans got a third with the first. In the other deal, it was, you know, Baltimore shipped out Marquise Brown and a third to get, you know, going the other way. So it was a little bit, you know, so the Arizona got Marquise Brown and a third in, in terms of giving up that first. And I think now what we look at is I would not be surprised. I almost, I almost going out on a limb. My first bold prediction for tomorrow will be, I think either Tyquan Thornton, <clears throat> Calvin Austin, or Danny Gray, one of those receivers who I think are all ticketed for the third round. I could see any of those guys, go, you know, being picked you know, by Baltimore, you know, at some point tomorrow. And then it'll be interesting to see, you know, what Arizona does with the other pick, right? Right. When that, you know, full deal comes together, let's see what it was, right? Arizona gets Marquise Brown. What, what did they do with that third round pick? There's going to be some interesting names left, you know, and Baltimore got, you know, the pick at 23 there. But I would expect Baltimore, who I think has a lot of picks tomorrow, always active on day two and day three. My guess is they get a speedster in the third round. Or maybe they do something more early in day two, and maybe they're looking at a Christian Watson or George Pickens, who's not really a speedster, but he can get vertical. A Christian Watson or a Sky Moore could be really intriguing too with them. So I, I think there's a couple of routes. In round two, there's guys. In round three, there's a lot of guys. So it's going to be fascinating tomorrow. Any final thoughts on that before we go to these pick, Rudy's picks a little rapid fire? No, I think you got you hit the names that I wanted to hit. So let's go right into the draft. Okay. So yeah, so I didn't anticipate, <coughs> excuse me, I didn't anticipate so many, you know, I didn't anticipate two major stars in the NFL, you know, one superstar and one guy who I would consider a very good player, you know, who could become a star still in Marquise Brown to be moved. Usually we jump right into, you know, the picks and breaking down what we thought, but this was definitely an unusual year. So Right at the top, Jaguars take Trayvon Walker. They pivot away from Aiden Hutchinson and the O-line. Great length, elite athleticism. We saw it at the Combine. You know, great physicality, toughness. He can stop the run. It's all about can he emerge as a pass rusher at the next level, something Georgia didn't really ask him to do. Lions sit there at two, take Aiden Hutchinson. High motor, great hand usage. Really good athleticism in his own right. A really safe pick that I think is a guy who's going to be a 10 to 12 sack type of guy. I think Jared Allen, he fits what Dan Campbell wants to do there in Detroit. He fits that town. He fits that that fan base. They got to sit there and just get the guy, keep the, keep the hometown kid right there. Texans select Derek, Singlet, uh, Derek Singletary Jr. He comes all the way back to the top of the draft where we assumed he was going to be for the longest time has the highest ceiling probably of any player. His 2019 film is probably the best of any player in this draft class. Great size, good frame, great to elite athleticism. He's got closing bursts. He's got speed. He's got change of direction. He's got length. He's a true upside to be a true shutdown corner. He can play zone, but he's ideally suited for press man. Jets at four take Ahmad Sauce Gardner out of Cincinnati. Good size and frame, really good athleticism. He's got closing bursts. He's got recovery speed. He's got play strength. He's got he's got good length. He's got hand usage. He's another press corner, very confident player. He's got the upside to be a shutdown corner. And then the Giants like Kayvon Thibodeau out of Oregon. Great size and frame, good athleticism, speed, and movement skills. Very good to great first step and burst. He's only got average bend. He's got get some things to work on there, but explosive enough to potentially be the best pass rusher in this class. Good verse to run. Giants choose to take him with all the offensive line men left on the board, knowing that they were going to get one at seven. So, Jeff, any thoughts? You don't have to go through all five, but anything in the in the top five that you're like, I really kind of want to discuss a little bit more. Well, happy happy for Lions fans. Uh, you can always count on Trent Balky to uh, 
you know, mess it up a little bit, overthink it. Um, I, I mean, not that Trayvon Walker is, um, I, I think he's just a risky pick at the top, at the very first top of the draft and, and we'll see where that goes. But I, I, the one that got me was both cornerbacks going in the top five and in both Stingley and Gardner. I, I did have Stingley predicted, right. And I thought sauce might get to New York and I don't know, you know, how upset you are that they didn't make it there. It is, I think Thibodeau is, uh, you know, a really good consolation prize. And I think it's important that, you know, both Stingley and Thibodeau didn't fall. And that was something that, you know, had some buzz a couple weeks ago that that maybe they would free fall. And, and they both go top five. And I think they both really deserve it. Yeah, I mean, listen, I my dream, and I had put that out there, you know, days and days on Twitter, was I wanted Sauce Gardner and Evan Neal. But I knew that Sauce Gardner was very much in play for Houston and the Jets. You know, so the Giants pivoted. And listen, my issues with Thibodeau were less about the player because I do believe he arguably was the best edge in this class in, in, in the conversation for that and has the highest ceiling. My issue was, I think, coming off of the Kadarius-Tony thing where there were some questions in character and that we've seen that kind of go a little bit sideways and hoping that he, he can get his head on straight. But, you know, there were just some questions about Thibodeau and his personality, and I was like, do I really want that? Like, I want this new regime to have guys who are going to show up for every meeting, every voluntary workout, not be, like, wh- where they are. And, and, and Thibodeau has a big personality. So that was more you know, why I was a little bit hesitant about wanting Thibodeau. But if, if, if you would ask me in the middle of the, the, the NFL season, who was the dream guy I wanted for the Giants, Thibodeau would have been the first guy out of my mind, right? We sort of Giants were lacking for a pass rusher, you know, and Thibodeau was the guy that all year I, I preferred even more than Nate Hutchinson, you know, so I'm not going to sit here and, and be unhappy about that. Giants got a big time edge and then two picks later got a big time tackle. So let's just kind of hit that. After that, we saw a little bit of a tackle run for the next four picks. At six, Carolina does not go quarterback. They take Iki Ikanwu at NC State. Good size and frame, very good athleticism, movement skills, a mauling, you know, run blocker, a guy who's just going to move people at the point of attack. Still got to improve a little bit in terms of his pass pro. Uh, some people think he's a guard. I think he's going to start out as, as a tackle. And then if he needs to, he can kick inside, probably like a Brandon Sheriff and become an all pro guard or a Zach Martin or somebody like that. Giants sit there at seven. Apparently they had Ikanwo and Neil rated very similarly. Once they knew they were going to get one of them, that's why they took Tibodeau at five. Uh, good to very good athleticism. You don't see people at 350 pounds who look like Evan Neal. He's fluid. He's got good techniques, play strength, power. He's got some bending issues. He's got to, you know, correct a little bit. He can play in any scheme. Franchise tackle. I thought he could play left tackle for the Giants. He's definitely going to start out on the right side, they said tonight, because Andrew Thomas has looked good over on the left side. Atlanta takes the first wide receiver off the board, Drake London. Great size, good frame. I think he's only got average athleticism and speed. He never tested pre, uh, pre-draft. pre Great body control and ball skills. Ability to high point, win contested catches. Great play strength, physicality, and toughness. He kind of fits what Arthur Smith wants. I was on record as saying Drake London was my wide receiver five. I have some separation concerns. But if he's Brandon Marshall or Keyshawn Johnson and and with the football guys live show, you know, we were talking Vincent Jackson is a guy that Matt Wallman thought he can come to. I don't see the Mike Evans thing as much except right at the catch point. He doesn't use that. He uses the length like Mike Evans, but Mike Evans had more physicality. So that's why I started transitioning more to a guy like Brandon Marshall. I know other people said like Marquise Colston, which if that's who he is, I don't really agree with it at pick eight. But it's, it's clear Arthur Smith has a type, right? He loved A.J. Brown. Now he goes for Drake London. Seahawks, they put at nine, take Charles Cross. And I like the player, Charles Cross. He's the best pass protector, best feet probably of any of the tackles. But there's some strength concerns. And there, uh, well, he's a strong player. There's some there's some concerns about his run blocking ability. And that's a, that's something that's really interesting because I'm not sure in that scheme how that works. So it, it, it's an interesting thing. Seattle loves to run the ball, and they just drafted a tackle who does question marks about whether or not he's a good run blocker. We know he's a great pass protector. We know we know he's got the length and the footwork, but that there's question marks about his ability to hold the point of attack in the run game. And then just take Garrett Wilson, my number one wide receiver in the class, 
I think he's Calvin Ridley, Stefan Diggs type. The athleticism is there, speed, burst, acceleration, good route runner, smooth. He can win at the catch point. He shows good body control and ability to high point for a guy his size. Great yak ability as well. I see him winning at all three levels. So thoughts there on any of the old linemen or, or two wide receivers? We got some skill players coming off the board in that range. Well, first of all, I mean, I think those were all really good picks. Um both the tackles and, and um, the wide receivers and actually all three tackles. So, you know, um, I, I actually, I was a little disappointed because Drake London, my best fit was actually going to be New York Jets, mostly because of what I think about Zach Wilson and where he attacks the field and, and what Drake London does. So him going to Atlanta was a little bit of a bummer for me, um, only because I wanted to see him and Zach Wilson together. Um, I, I think with Carolina, you know, this is the precursor to what happened tonight with um, going for a tackle, not going for Malik Willis, not taking the swing at quarterback, probably playing the smart game and seeing, you know, how the offseason unfolds. We'll, we'll see what happens tomorrow. But, you know, there's still Baker Mayfield, there's still Jimmy Garoppolo, and they're still probably going to be able to get those at either of either a re- really reasonable price. So. Um, so what they're doing is they're building around the quarterback position first, supporting whoever they get. I think, I, I mean, I think that's smart. As far as Charles Cross goes, I mean, it's a good pick, a good player, a good value. Um, I, I understand the notes of, you know, the fit. And, and I think one of the hardest things is, is maybe teams aren't great at some teams aren't great at self-scouting. So, you know, it was something that I noted as a as a big head scratcher for San Francisco last year when they went Aaron Banks in the second round. And I'm thinking of, you know, yeah, I mean, he's a really, you know, big anchor, but he's not going to be fleet of foot, you know, for the outside zone scheme. So, and, and we, we didn't see him really start all year. So I, I don't, pick nine's a bigger investment to, to miss on that and, and to miss on your self scouting. Um, and, you know, I think what you guys, you know, really talked about primarily was there's, there's the gaps of what you haven't seen and maybe you're projecting into what, what can they do? It wasn't that we didn't, it wasn't that we could, we couldn't project that for cross and that he couldn't do it, but that it was a big gap in the resume and so I don't know what Seattle really did to kind of alleviate those concerns, but they obviously felt comfortable enough going, you know, with him in the top 10. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting to kind of see see how that plays out. Uh, at 11, now we had trade up for more wide receivers. Saints trade up and take wide receiver Chris Olave. Uh, only average size, needs to add to the frame a little bit, but very good to great athleticism. He's got burst, he's got speed, he's a good route runner, very smooth, love the footwork, great body controls, can win at all three levels. He was Matt Wallman's number one wide receiver. After that, the Lions come up from 32, and they did not pay a lot. That's the, the in terms of trade compensation, besides the A.J. Brown one, the none was weirder than the Vikings dropping all the way from 12 and they did not get a lot in that deal at all of what they should have. It was 12 and 46 for 32, 34 and 66. Very strange trade uh, from the Vikings. I feel like the compensation should have been a lot more. The Lions come up. Everyone's thinking it's quarterback. Instead, it's for wide receiver Jamison Williams. Uh, probably and arguably the most explosive wide receiver in this draft. Great to elite athleticism, explosiveness and speed. Obviously, he's come back. From the ACL injury, he's great after the catch. He's got good ball skills, great first step and explosion off the line of scrimmage. Then the Eagles trade up to pick 13, and they select defensive tackle Jordan Davis. Great size and frame, good athleticism, great play strength, toughness, physicality, great run stuffer, uh, can take on two blockers. I think he's going to be a starting uh, nose tackle in just about any scheme. And then after that, at pick 14, the Ravens select Kyle Hamilton. Once upon a time, people thought he could be a top three pick. Ravens get great value there at pick 14. Versatility to play a variety of different roles in that defense. He can cover. He can play to run. He's got length. He's got play strength. He's got speed. Even though he didn't, he's got play speed, I should say. Obviously, his time speed was not as what people were hoping for. Uh, but he's just a smart and intelligent player that I think is going to fit well there in terms of that Baltimore defense. And then at 
at 15 when Houston slid, slid back a couple picks. They take offensive guard Kenyon Green, good size and frame, average athleticism, movement skills and quickness, but he's got great play strength, power, uses his hands well. He can stop the run. Uh, he's a great run blocker, uh, ideal gap run scheme, but he can play some zone as well. A really solid pick there that helps solidify the line. Some people might think it's a little early. Houston just needs really good, solid foundational picks that I think is Kenyon Green, a, a, a solid double. So, Jeff, thoughts there on, in particular, the Saints moving up for Olave, the Lions with the big move up for Jamison Williams. I think those are probably, you know, the most interesting things there, unless you have something on uh, Kyle Hamilton as well. Well, for fantasy, those are the biggest moves. And and for some reason, I just, I always felt Olave just fit the Saints well. We, you know, we thought about it in the range that they were picking originally with 16 and 19. But I, I don't know, just, you know, who he is as a player and the Saints as a team just, just felt like a perfect marriage. So, so I really like that a lot. And, you know, I think um, we heard Jamison Williams was going to go early, maybe even the first wide receiver off the board. So Detroit would have had to be aggressive to go up and get him. And, you know, they're still building for the future and they're building the right way. And and he's going to be an extraordinary weapon, maybe get, get his feet wet this year, but really, you know, as Detroit builds for the future, I really think it's a good pick. The Eagles scouted well. I, I've had Jordan Davis going to Baltimore because that felt like a great Baltimore pick. And so the Eagles actually traded up ahead, you know, two picks just to jump Baltimore to get him. But then, you know, I had Kyle Hamilton going to Washington at 11 and um, because I thought that was going to be a perfect fit. And then I didn't even just see how amazing this was going to be in Baltimore. I mean, you know me, I play IDP like – Baltimore creates turnover opportunities um, and Kyle Hamilton is just going to vacuum up, uh, you know, interceptions, big plays all across the field. You, you mentioned his play speed. It's really about the anticipation, right? And, and just the intelligence that he has and being able to spring and, and, and jump on things a step or two before any other player in the NFL would be able to do that. So they really get a steal because from an intuition standpoint, like a, like a football IQ perspective and even just an NFL player perspective, he was one of the best in the draft here. Yeah. I mean, he, he's just a, such a smart player. And right. I think people got so worried about, you know, the testing and the fit. And I feel like Isaiah Simmons scares people and like, you know, and I just think, you know, it's, it's sometimes a little bit overblown. So I, I love the fit there and, and the scheme. And I think, I think he's going to be an impactful player. If we keep this going, the commanders at 16 who traded back a little bit, they keep the wide receiver run going and they select one of my favorites, uh, Jahan Dotson. Yeah. He's undersized out of Penn State, but very good. The great athleticism, the speed, the burst, the explosiveness, the separation quickness, the route running. He's got it all to me. He's a guy who reminds me of Deontay Johnson coming out, but more refined, more polished, and way better hands. Daniel Jeremiah was on on TV tonight saying he thinks he has the best hands of anybody in this class. So now he's paired with Terry McLaurin. I really like that duo that they have there. Very interchangeable, very versatile players inside, outside. Uh, If Carson Wentz can't get going with those two, I'm not sure he's ever going to get going again. Uh, At pick 17, the Chargers select Zion Johnson, fortifying that line. He was my number one rated guard in this class. He's got the size and frame, only average athleticism, but very good to great play strength, power, toughness, finishing ability. Uh, he's a plug-and-play guy you don't worry about for the next eight years. Uh, at 18, this is this was the pick that was traded from Philadelphia to Tennessee to get A.J. Brown. And, man, I texted a friend of mine, and I was like, if the Titans are going to replace A.J. Brown – with a receiver, there's only one guy who they should be thinking about right here, and that was Trey Burks out of Arkansas. A.J. Brown has been my comp for him since last August. Great size and frame, very good athleticism, maybe not on the testing, you know, the combine numbers, but on the play field, this is a guy who plays with big-time athleticism. I like the burst. I like the speed, the play strength, the toughness. To me, everything that A.J. Brown was coming out of Ole Miss, Trey Burks is. Still still hate the trade for Tennessee because A.J. Brown is a proven star. He translated. 
Traylon Burks has a lot of similarities to A.J. Brown coming out of college. It doesn't necessarily mean it's going to translate like A.J. Brown did to become a superstar. Uh, at pick 19, Saints were back on the clock. This was ticketed. We knew this, they were going to be targeting this guy if they could get their hands on him. Offensive tackle, Trevor Penny. Uh, great size and frame. Really tough, physical guy. Plays with a, a demeanor. Wants to put people on the floor. Really good run blocker. He's got length. He can play in any run scheme, but that's definitely in a physical power gap run scheme. He could start, or he's probably going to start left side there. I thought he was more of a prototypical right tackle, but I think they're going to need him to play over at left tackle. And then at 20, the quarterback comes off the board. Only one of the night, Steelers, keep him local. Quarterback Kenny Pickett, good size and frame, above average athleticism and mobilities. He can make some plays with his legs. He can throw on the re- throw on the run. I think he's got above average arm talent, nothing spectacular, but he's a good decision maker. He, has, he can do full field reads. Competitive toughness is high. I'm on record saying I don't. I didn't love Pickett. He was my third quarterback. I think they should have taken Malik Willis. Uh, they got to hope he's more Derek Carr, good Kirk Cousins, and not like Andy Dalton. Who, you know, or, or if you even want to say Daniel Jones, if we're ready to say he, he's, he's reached his peak and he's not a, a long-term guy at the quarterback position, they got to hope Pickett is more at least Derek Carr, um, you know, or Kirk Cousins and, and maybe be to, for them what Mac Jones was for the Patriots last year. So Jeff, a lot of interesting picks there from Jahan Dotson at 16, the Traylon Burks at 18, Kenny Pickett at 20, some offensive firepower there. Some interesting storylines. Any, any thoughts on those three? I think they're the ones in particular. We probably can, you know, skip talking more Zion Johnson and Trevor Penton. Yeah, they were they were good OL picks, um, especially with New Orleans losing uh, Teron Armstead. And um, so this is going to be our last skill players of the night too. Just as like as a preview, it gets you know a little less exciting from the fantasy angle after this. So I'll, I'll touch in. Mostly because I, I, I mean, as soon as the AJ Brown trade happened, like, you know, I, this, this is, I think it was telegraphed, right? Um, you know, this has been your comp, you know, since we started this off season of of uh, of rookie scouting and and even just kind of uh, throughout last last college season, I just don't think. Like Traylon Burks is wasn't even as refined of a prospect as AJ Brown was coming out. I don't think. Like, right? It's just definitely not really risky bet, and you know, it's a hundred million dollar bet, right? That that's what AJ Brown got, and that's what you're scared to pay. I would not take this for the life of me, but I, I just i I think Traylon Burks is going to be. I, he was overdrafted here. I think. Um, I think he's going to be overdrafted in fantasy drafts because people are just going to make that connection. And look, I, I totally get the comp and it's, it's very much from like a play style, a physicality yes. angle, you know, even just how you can use him in, in a like around the field, especially like if you can get him, you know, into crossers and get him into the middle of the field and get him breaking tackles and get him onto this, you know, onto the safeties, so like I really get the comp there. I I really do from a playstyle perspective. But I I mean, I don't think that that's a career comp. Like that's the high end career comp that we're going to ask for him. And maybe maybe that'll take like 3 or 4 years to even get there. I just like I don't know I don't know what you're doing <laughs> from from the Titans perspective. I really don't. Um and it's just a big bet. And and I we talked a lot about it uh with Matt on on our our show with him, you know, last week. And and the upside is there and it's just a really big projection and and he could get there and it will be fascinating to watch how this unfolds. I just you know, the reason I rail on it is just I would not be comfortable making that bet myself. Yeah. And, um, and, and I, and let me just chime in for one second there. Like, I think you're a hundred percent right. And like when, when, and again, I'm sure people, if they're listening to Saturday, Sunday, they understand this when I make player comps and I think other people too, it's strictly on stylistically size frame, how they were used in college. It is never projecting if they could be on that level of a player coming into the NFL, because even AJ Brown, who was my number one wide receiver that year, 
I didn't expect him to have this career. If you would have told me when A.J. Brown was coming out, who I thought should have went round one. But even then, if you would have told me A.J. Brown was going to become a top five, top seven wide receiver in all of football, I would have never believed it. I would have thought this is a guy who maybe can become a really good number two wide receiver at the NFL level. You know, so I think I think coming out of college, they're very comparable. And that was, I thought A.J. Brown was going to be a really good number two wide receiver in the NFL. I didn't even know if he was ever going to be a true number one or a true alpha. And that's kind of how I envision Traylon Burks. Like, I think he could be a really good number two wide receiver, the 20th best wide receiver in the league or something along those lines. Yeah. Like, you know, obviously we know we don't have 19, you know, well, that's what I think of him. But now it's like these teams now are, are starting this cycle that it, it just feels like nobody wants to pay that second big contract because they feel like they can get something that can maybe produce 70% or 75% of, of what, you know, the star player was doing. But there will be this undue pressure on him now to perform. He's going to see a lot of targets early on. So you're right. In terms of immediate opportunity, him and Drake London probably have the most in terms of immediate opportunity and target share. You know, I'm obviously a fan of him, so I'll be looking to get him in some rookie drafts. You know, but anyone who thinks he's going to step in and just be A.J. Brown, we talked with Matt Wallman last week. If you start asking him to be this precise route runner and think he's going to win instantly from all parts of the field, you're going to come away a little disappointed. So they're going to have to do a good job there in Tennessee. And maybe with the the foundation of the run game, it's going to open some things up for him. And, and we'll see what their plan of action is for a guy like Traylon Burks. I'm excited that he went early. He's got good draft capital. I think he warranted going there because I don't think there's much difference between these top wide receivers. I had him at number two overall in terms of my receiver ranks. Uh, but anyone who thinks he's just going to naturally replace A.J. Brown, I think he's in for a rude awakening. Yeah, and I don't mean to like throw, you know, a words in your mouth as far as, no, you know. Uh, well, and, you know, and it, our, our listeners will really know this, but, you know, you get the soundbite pulled out there and, you know, or maybe a new listener because, you know, this is the draft. It is exciting. Um, I'm glad you clarified your comp style there. And I, I know that and definitely good to reiterate that I don't, you know, even if we think he plays like A.J. Brown, we don't expect an A.J. Brown-like career. We didn't expect A.J. Brown for an A.J. Brown-like career. Exactly. That we didn't expect Tyreek Hill or or any of these guys who've overachieved their their projections there. I think the interesting thing with, um, you know, maybe the thread that you were going down as far as teams like looking to, you know, kind of cash in, not pay the the big bucks, get, you know, 70% production and then manufacture their offense. Like we didn't expect Debo to be like a top five NFL wide receiver either, right? Like, again, really good number two, physical, yak guy, get, a, get, get him some creative touches. And, you know, he's developed enough smarts to be a, a really good wide receiver as well, just working back to the quarterback, making space, setting up Yak ahead of time, like even, even in his route and before the catch. And so maybe maybe there's just a development path for the way that these offenses are running and then, you know, the way that, you know, teams are getting smarter about integrating these wide receivers and putting, you know, their development path, right? Rather, maybe just not throwing them in the deep end, but maybe actually figuring out a good development path for them that bodes well for Traylon Burke. So it's something to keep in mind. It really does. I mean, that pressure is something that I just, I wouldn't set somebody up for. I mean, we saw that on the 49ers side when DeForest Buckner was traded to the, the Colts for his payday and they drafted Javon Kinlaw and, you know, and for the first few years, you know, that's your comp and you're not going to be DeForest Buckner. You know, you might be a decent contributor, but you're not an all pro. So that's, that is like, that is too much pressure. Um, he's going to, there's nobody else there that I'd, I'd trust throwing the football to right now. Um, so he's going to have to be an integral part of that offense. And I, I really hope he he's able to adapt you know, unfortunately, he stole the spotlight from Jahan Dotson, who, you know, was one of my favorite sleepers. I'm glad he went as high as he did. Um, I love his hands. You know, I, I'm i interested in the fit. I, I It's hard for me to project how that's going to go. Um, but the offense that... Everything that Washington's been putting together 
is I think in my mind, you know, really good football decisions. And then you have Carson Wentz and the two third round picks you traded for him. Like, you know, we, we, you know, are you, is who, when you're going to pick in the second round, you know, is Sam Howell worse than Carson Wentz? I don't know. Right. But it just, it kind of blows my mind a little bit um, that they, that they can make these good decisions and just whiff completely where it matters most. So that that's the only downside for the the commanders there. But yeah, I but, mean, if you if you really stop and think about it, they have a great defense. Now they have two legit playmakers at wide receiver. They have a great pass catching running back in JD McKissick. They have a guy who I'm a big fan of in Antonio Gibson. They have a good tight end in Logan Thomas. They got some O line. Like it's really the quarterback, and and when you stop and think about it, it's possible tomorrow Baker Mayfield gets or the day or the day after Baker Mayfield gets traded for like a fourth round pick. You could have kept your two threes and given up a fourth or fifth round pick for Baker Mayfield, who I'd rather have as my quarterback than Carson Wentz. At least maybe there's something still there. I, I I've never been a huge Baker guy, but if you're telling me I can trade Baker a fourth rounder or something for Baker. Or I can give up two threes for Carson Wentz. It's like okay, I could I could I could have checked out and, and tried Baker for one year, and if it didn't work, then you know moved on. But now you've you've committed like two threes. And I don't think it means he's guaranteed to be there for a long term. But but their but their team is kind of set up to make a little noise. And it's like okay, if Carson Wentz plays as what he did, you know, Carson Wentz's team this year is not going to be as good as it was in Indianapolis. I don't think and. He didn't couldn't get them to the playoffs, right? And he lost to Jacksonville in the game that could have got him there, right? I just have a lot of questions about well, what they're doing. We, we did just say like the the Washington roster was looking really good, right? I you know, so I I, I don't want to say that. Like, I mean, but I'd rather two threes for Jimmy Garoppolo, and that's even maybe overpaying, right? Like Jimmy yep. Garoppolo will get you to the playoffs. Like I, a Jimmy Garoppolo could get Carolina to the playoffs. Jimmy Garoppolo could get Washington to the playoffs. Jimmy Garoppolo might even get Pittsburgh to the playoffs. Maybe not in that division, but you know, like he's that Kirk Cousins like level quarterback. Little plus or minus here. I don't know how you want to evaluate QB wins and intangibles and everything like that. But I mean, you have major question marks for your team with Carson Wentz behind center and you overpaid for that. Um, yeah, well, we don't have to, we don't have to pour the rain on the parade. I'm with you there. It, it was questionable. I think they probably regret it right now, knowing what options are still available. Yeah. And going back to Tennessee, I kind of expect them to double dip at wide receiver. I feel like, they, I feel like they're going to, they're going to, you know, have to go back to the well either tomorrow or attack it early, you know, on date parade because they just need more weapons there. Like, I feel like they're in this weird mix now. Like, when when they traded A.J. Brown, I thought maybe when their pick came up, you know, their second one that we're going to get to in a few minutes, I thought maybe when, when they made their next pick, they were maybe going to say, okay, we're going to hit the re- we're going to hit the re- the reload button and the rebuild button, and we're going to draft Malik Willis. And we'll let Ryan Tannehill be the bridge, and then we, we'll trade him, and maybe we can get a second-round pick for him or or two threes at least at the worst, right, if, if that's the going rate, you know, because I'd much rather prefer Tannehill than Carson Wentz. You know, I feel like they're stuck there. They have the Tannehill who got him as far as he could with A.J. Brown. They have Derrick Henry. They're, it's impossible for them to be better now with a rookie wide receiver compared to, you know, an all-pro, a top-five guy in the league in A.J. Brown. So I thought maybe they were going to hit that button, but they, they chose not to. I think they got to add more skill players uh, at the wide receiver position for sure. If we get back to the draft, at pick 21, the Chiefs traded up. Uh, New England moved back. Uh, Chiefs come up and select cornerback Trent McDuffie. He's only got average size and frame, very short arms. But good athleticism and long speed, um, really good footwork, movement skills are great, the agility, the the change of direction, the closing birds. He's probably the best zone uh, cover man in this draft class. So Chiefs come up and, and get some help for the secondary. Packers are 22 without any wide receivers. Uh, take the guy that they were really connected to over the last 24 hours, and that was linebacker Quay Walker out of Georgia. Great size, good frame, good athleticism, movement skills. He's got range. He's got instincts. He's got play recognition. He uses his hands well. Some people think he could be a really impactful, you know, rusher even off the edge or as a blitzing inside linebacker. Uh, so I think people are really looking at Quay Walker. Think he could be an impactful player at the next level. 
The Bills trade up. As soon as they traded up, we knew that was the end of the hopes of Brees Hall, who I know a lot of fantasy people and a lot of people wanted the, the Bills to make that pick. I never really thought it made much sense, you know, from their way of thinking. Uh, but no, they come up to get the fourth best cornerback in the draft, and that's Kaye Elam out of Florida. Good size and frame, good athleticism, movement skills. He's got closing bursts. He's got range. He's got good length. Uh, they knew they needed upgrades at, at that pick, at that spot in the secondary. Good job by Buffalo coming up and getting him. Dallas Cowboys select offensive lineman Tyler Smith. Uh, great size and frame, good athleticism, movement skills, and quickness. Good play strength. Uh, Good length and recoverability. He's got to clean up his techniques a little bit. Uh, he could either be a starting right tackle or he can kick inside to play guard. Uh, the ability to kind of help bring back that Dallas offensive line that became a little shaky last year. Uh, at pick 25, after the Ravens moved down twice, they take the best center in the class, the guy who's been compared to Jason Kelsey, and that's Tyler Linderbaum. Undersized, but very good to great athleticism, movement skills, and quickness. Great techniques, hand usage and footwork, good play strength and toughness, ideal for a zone run scheme. Watching Linderbaum get out in space and opening up holes for Lamar Jackson on RPO runs is going to be a thing of beauty. Like it's going to be something that like watching run blocking, he's going to be as fun to watch a run blocker next year. You have the physical mauling guys who are fun to watch. But then you're going to have a guy like this, an athletic guy at the center position where you're going to watch him get into space and open things up for Lamar Jackson. I'm kind of excited for that. Any thoughts there on 21 through 25? McDuffie, Quay Walker, Kair Elam, uh, Tyler Smith, and yeah. Tyler Linderbaum. So, I mean, you saw both KC and Buffalo jump Dallas for the corners there. Uh, you know, I think that that was prudent. You know, they, again, you know, played the board well you know tyler smith you know that that is the side of the line like dallas needs to address there um so maybe just quick quay walker understand the connections don't understand like understand he was the first linebacker i in my mocks too um over the others just based on you know even just the physical tools there um and you know the other linebackers being slightly more undersized so uh, you know i understand the potential I still, you know, unless you are, you know, one of the, unless you can do everything, you know, at, at that position, you know, if you can cover, if you can rush, you can blitz, you can, you know, play the run, like, you know, every down, you know, and cover against the passing game. Like you need to have like the passing game skills as well. I, I mean, I just don't know how much, you know, worth the pick you are, especially when you just signed Devondre Campbell, who had a great year for you, and you play one linebacker a bunch of the times. Like, you know, you're not you're not going to see Quay Walker play 100% of the snaps. And we were wondering that about Jordan Davis too. And again, like, how are you going to help your team the most? I, I just, um, it was a little baffling for me, you know, and, you know, again, like, you know, just foreshadowing Green Bay came out with, of this draft, this first round without a wide receiver and, you know, say what you want about, you know, maybe like the report came through that they were waiting for a round one talent to fall to them. They wouldn't overreach, you know, on a, on a wide receiver just cause they needed it. And, but like, I still like sky more. <laughs> like I thought that'd be a perfect fit. I, I thought a lot would be a great fit and obviously you could trade up to get them, but sky more would still be a great consolation prize. So for me, I'm still questioning that pick quite a bit. And then, you know, with Linderbaum, it is going to be a thing of beauty. Like Baltimore's run game is going to be a staple. But again, this was the pick that they got um, from Hollywood Brown. And so, you know, you're really trading away a passing weapon for a weapon on the run game. And, you know, that's just, not the way most teams will win football games in the NFL these days. Um, and it's just, a, it's just, I, I mean, I think you're going to need to see Linderbaum be a top five center. And I think that can happen for that to pay off. So, you know, maybe, maybe we'll see him sort of along the lines of, of, you know, some of the recent, you know, marquee centers coming out of the drafts, um, you know, in these late last couple of years too. But but I think he's going to have to play at, at a Pro Bowl level for this to to kind of pay off for them. 
Yeah, it's going to be interesting to really follow that. But I do like the Ravens. They're always smart in their draft philosophy. You know, we're talking they moved back from, you know, whatever they were picking, like 14, and they, they kept moving back. They, they, they got that 23rd pick, but then they moved it back again, and they just kept manipulating the board like they always do. Uh, pick 26 was, without a doubt, my favorite value pick in the entire first round. Besides the Eagles stealing A.J. Brown, nobody had a better night than the New York football Jets. And I hate saying that as a Giants fan, but but it, that is true facts. And and what was what was great about this was 10.46 p.m., I put out a tweet that says, if the Jets truly were thinking about Jermaine Johnson at 4 and or 10, they should be thinking about coming up with one of their second-round picks and stealing him now. They already got the cornerback and wide receiver they wanted. If the reports were true they wanted him at 4 and 10, it makes too much sense. Eight minutes after I tweeted that, Jets traded up, select edge Jermaine Johnson out of Florida State, great size and frame, good athleticism, speed, movement skills, very good to great first step and bend. Uh, I mean, very good to great first step and burst, average bend, good pass rusher, very good length, play straight and power, good versus to run. Greg Cosell is on record as saying he thinks he could be the best pass rusher from this class in a couple years. Great job by the Jets getting Sauce, Garrett Wilson, and Jermaine Johnson. Jaguars trade up from the top of the second round and select linebacker Devin Lloyd. He was my favorite linebacker in the class. Great size, good frame and athleticism. He's got movement skills. He's got bursts. He can play inside. He can play strong side. He can rush the passer. Love the pick of Devin Lloyd, the versatility he brings to it. A defense. Packers select Devontae Wyatt, the best pre-tech defensive tackle in this class. Again, what Georgia asked him to do is going to be different than maybe how often NFL teams want him getting after the quarterback. He's only got average size, but he's got good athleticism. He's got good movement skills. He's got lateral quickness, good agility and change of direction. Can be an interior disruptor versus the pass. At pick 29, Patriots make probably the biggest surprise pick of the night. Take offensive lineman Cole Strange. I like the player. I thought he was more of a mid to late second round pick, not a late first round pick. But the Patriots get their guys that they fit what they want to do. He's got above average to good athleticism. He's got very good length. He's got good footwork. He can pull onto the perimeter and in space. I I said he had the upside to be a starting offensive guard or offensive center in his own run scheme. Chiefs at the pick 30, their other second round, uh, their other second, the second of their first round picks, take George Karloftis, once upon a time thought to be a top 10 pick, but we kind of thought he was going to fall into the teens. He falls all the way to pick 30. Good size, great frame, good athleticism, very good play strength. Darren Jeremiah has compared him to Ryan Kerrigan. If that's who he is, Chiefs fans are going to love it. And I'll just finish it out before I kick it back to you, Jeff. 31, the Bengals select Dax Hill. Uh, really intriguing nickel cornerback or high, uh, you know, deep high free safety. He's got good size, very good to great athleticism. He's got long speed. He can cover guys. He's got bursts. He's got change of direction. He's got range. And then the Vikings, after making that big trade back, with the Lions, they select safety. Lewis seen out of Georgia, good size, average frame, good to very good overall athleticism. He's got speed. He can change directions. He's got play strength. He's got toughness. To me, he's more of a player playing, you know, moving forward as a really good starting, uh, strong safety uh, to round out round one. Any thoughts there on any of those guys, you know, from 26 to 32, Jeff, that stand out? Well, we have a big day tomorrow, so I'll do quick hits. I'm right with you with Jermaine Johnson. I thought he was maybe top 15 pick worthy, um, you know, maybe that 10 to 15 range. And so, you know, the Jets really did. Uh, my mock had them get taking Thibodeau because I really thought pressure was something that, you know, would be valuable for the way that they'll build their team, especially if you, you know, try to mimic, you know, the way that, you know, San Francisco did. And so... Um, so getting the, you know, getting a great, you know, edge presence there, you know, I think is, you know, tremendous value. It, it, it's worth what they paid. You know, I mentioned the linebacker for Quay Walker. I do think Devin Lloyd is one of those ones who may potentially, you know, be that do it all impact linebacker. It's up in the air, but it was a, it was a hole that, that the Jags needed. And then maybe just, you know, running through real quick, Karloftis was a guy I like a lot, you know, just from a player standpoint. And so falling to 30 for the Chiefs, it, you know, it fits a need. It fits, you know, their ability to, you know, shore up their defense and what's going to be a, a really, um, 
offensive heavy division. And then just the safeties to round it out. Again, you know, good picks for the teams that, that needed um at the right values at the right time. Yeah, it, it you know, a, a lot of solid picks. I know we were going to see some more wild things besides the Cole Strange pick. We really didn't. I you know, you know, Jermaine Johnson falling was was pretty wild. Obviously, the AJ Brown and, and Marquise Brown trades, you know, were stunning considering those weren't the guys we were hearing about potentially on the move. And it's it came out since that it sounds like Marquise Brown requested a trade. You know, you know, so that's interesting. Uh, you know, but I thought there was going to be more surprises maybe in the back ten picks or so of of round one. I think it's surprising that only one quarterback went, but it sets up a really, really interesting day too. Uh, you know, especially for the fantasy people, because I think you're talking about having four quarterbacks come off the board tomorrow. I expect Malik Willis, Matt Corral, Desmond Ritter, all to come off the board on day on round two. Sam Howell maybe in round two, if not round three. Uh, I expect four or five running backs to come off the board tomorrow. Where did the top running backs, Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker, go? You know, then where does my favorite, you know, my favorite in terms of, you know, value and versatility and James Cook. We're going to have a lot more wide receivers come off the board. I talked about those brief, you know, speedsters in Thornton, Austin and Gray, but you have Christian Watson, you have Sky Moore, Pickens, Alec Pierce, John Mechie, Jalen Tolbert, all the tight ends, the top tight ends. I expect maybe four to six to come off the board tomorrow night. You know, Trey McBride, Greg Dulcich, Jeremy Ruckert, you know, some really good offensive linemen still there. Pass rushers, you got Boy Mafe, you know, Arnold Abichetti, David Ajabu, who pulls the trigger there. You got Nakobe Dean standing out there. Safety class is one of my favorites. Jalen Petrie is one of my favorites. Uh, so a lot of guys. And then you got the veterans. You know, do we see Baker Mayfield or Jimmy Garoppolo move? Probably not Garoppolo because I, I think we're still waiting on him to get healthy. But maybe Baker May- Mayfield has moved tomorrow. Are we officially out of the, the, you know, the potential of Debo Samuel, you know, or DK Metcalf being traded? Like, is that possible? You know, who knows right now? Like, obviously, it'd be a lot more than just a day two pick for those wide receivers, but it could involve a player, as we saw tonight. It could involve, you know, future first round picks. So I guess nothing is truly off the table. Uh, any, any thoughts, Jeff, just on maybe what you're most looking forward to tomorrow before I wrap it up? No, this is going to set up the, you know, this is going to finalize that first first round of your rookie drafts. This is going to really be where you can mine out value in your second round of rookie drafts. You know, from the NFL side, you, you talked about Tennessee maybe double dipping on the, the receiver position. I might actually think, you know, you talk about all the tight ends coming off. That might be where they go, you know, to get a little bit of value on their offense, Gets get a guy like Trey McBride or something along those lines. Um, so, so keep an eye on them for the tight end position. Um, yeah, it, 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 this is, I, I think, you know, you were telling me 30 out of 32 picks might be your best year ever in this first round. And in this environment, I think that is incredibly impressive, but trying to figure out how day two is going to go tomorrow. I, you know, we had the stunners of those wide receiver trades, but I really don't know where I can expect these quarterbacks to go. These run, you know, the running backs, I do think we'll see, you know, a couple early-ish top 50-ish picks on day two for for Walker and Hall. But aside from that, it's going to be really hard to kind of really lay out what, what tomorrow is going to be like. And so, you know, I'm just kind of ready for anything. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and guys, if you've been following along all night, uh, thank you so much. I, I always appreciate the interaction on Twitter. As Jeff alluded to, uh, the Saturday to Sunday draft projections notebook tonight projected 30 out of the 32 players to come off the board in round one. The only ones we missed were Cole Strange and Tyler Linderbaum. Uh, I had Malik Willis and, uh, you know, Boye Mafe as the two guys who I thought were going to come off the board who didn't. It, it was our personal best. I think the best was 27 or 28 out of 32. So in a year that I thought there was more uncertainty than ever, to get 30 out of 32, really excited. Hopefully you checked out the Football Guys live show. I was honored uh, to be on. I probably was on with them for almost 90 minutes today, which was even longer than usual with, with Matt Wallman, Sigmund Bloom, breaking down like the first eight or nine picks. That was a blast. Uh, it is not too late, guys, to get the the premium notebooks. Having the draft projections notebook for the next couple of days and the and the 
the PD, the UDFA period and learning about these guys. I'll be updating it in real time every single after every single pick, highlighting it to keep the tabs up to date so you know who's the best players left and what players have came off the board. Uh, I'll start making my Dynasty Rookie Rankings tab tomorrow. I'll, I'll rank how I have the wide receivers right now. I'll wait until some more quarterbacks are taken before I start ranking them. And then obviously, once the running backs and tight ends are taken, I'll be I'll, I'll rank them as well. And that'll be updated after each day of the NFL draft, you know, so you're ready to go if you have rookie drafts starting right after the draft, like I know some people do. And then you get the scouting notebook, which has almost 100 detailed offensive player uh you know, profiles, really in-depth analysis there. And then the rankings notebook, it comes with so much more, obviously. Jeff and I's positional dynasty rankings, which will be updated maybe a couple weeks after the draft. We'll slide in the rookies into that. Uh, Devi rankings and, and so much more. For nine ninety nine. you get access to it all. So, on behalf of Jeff, on behalf of our sound tech engineer, David Nakano, and myself, we hope you enjoy night one of the NFL draft. And we look forward to taking you next time from Saturday to Sunday.